0: One of the things that you realize as you get older, it's discouraging actually, is that when you injure yourself, uh, you don't bounce back like you used to. In high school, you could sprain your ankle, it would swell to the size of a basketball. Three days later, you're running track and field, no problem. Now, if I twist my ankle, I'm in a wheelchair, you know, and on crutches, and it takes like forever to, to heal. Uh, I'd been nursing, nursing a little bit of a knee injury all summer. And it was not naturally getting better. It was very discouraging to me. And so I had someone that kept telling me, you need to go see a doctor. So finally I did. I went and saw my doctor. They prescribed some some treatments uh, that would make it better. And uh, that person then saw me a couple of weeks later. And they noticed that I was still kind of limping a little bit. And so they said to me, I thought that you were going to go see a doctor. To which I said, I did. Um, But maybe the better question that they should have asked me was, um, did you actually obey the advice of a doctor? You see, seeing the doctor and obeying the advice of the doctor are two very different things. And one of the things we realize in life, and you realize it early on, is that just showing up to something doesn't naturally make things better. It's true in marriage, just showing up and being around. It's true in parenting, it's true in your work world. Just kind of being in the office doesn't necessarily mean you're getting the necessary work done. And it's true for Christian faith, and I want us to talk today about community. And it's not enough just to show up to be in community Either, If we want to experience the kind of transformation that God has designed us to experience as we engage in community, it involves more than just showing up. When we uh, think about God's people, we gather together for worship and uh, we celebrate together and we give thanks to God. We hear the scriptures taught, but then God has designed us also to be in smaller settings, smaller group settings, smaller environments, smaller groups of people where we can wrestle with and figure out what does this look like for me to apply this faith to my life? What does it look like for me to be cared for and to provide care for somebody else? What does it look like to have a space where someone challenges me, pushes me, keeps me from getting too comfortable in my own faith journey? And the truth is that from the very beginning, God has been placing people, not just in large group gatherings for worship, but in smaller settings. They've got, People have gathered together to kind of work out their faith with fear and trembling and think about what is it going to look like for me to be a Christian today? And who's going to be with me in that journey, supporting and caring with me all the way? We see a description of what this community looks like in the book of Acts. Uh, Jesus was crucified. He rose from the dead and he commissioned his disciples to go to Jerusalem and to pray and wait for the Holy Spirit to come in power. It does. The disciples met in the upper room. They prayed. The Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost and the church is born. And the church gathered for, in the temple courts for praise and for worship and celebration together. But they also gathered in smaller settings where they did life together and where they practiced biblical community. I want to read you a couple of passages today from the book of Acts to kind of help you get a sense of what that looked like. And some of these might be familiar to you. The first is Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Acts chapter 42, 42 to 47. I'd encourage you, if you're at home, get out your Bibles, uh, get out your Bible app, and follow along with me. It goes like this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. And enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So they were meeting together in the temple courts and and worshiping together. But they then gathered also in homes uh, um, throughout the city at that time, and they did a few things. They 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 listened to the teachings of God's word the apostles' teachings, which would later become the New Testament. They shared these with each other, and they talked about them, and they said, what's it going to look like for us to live this out? Do we even believe all of this? How is this connected to the faith of our forefathers in the Old Testament? And they wrestled with it together, to the breaking of bread or to communion, like we're going to celebrate here in a few minutes together. They gathered together to remember that at the heart of their faith was the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And then they prayed for each other. They took turns sharing. They talked about what was going on in their life, some of the challenges that they were facing. And they just met and devoted themselves to being people who prayed for each other. They shared meals together. They had, there was a sense of gladness and joy about these gatherings. It wasn't like a lecture-based classroom environment. And the thing that amazes me as I read through this, even just today, the Lord added to their number. There was something so compelling about these people living in community this way, that those on the outside watching, they wanted in. It spoke to something deep within them for a place to belong, like this. A place to belong where they could be ministered to, cared for, discover some purpose in life. And as the church devoted themselves to being community, it was a way in which other people found faith as, they, as it looked and they could see a need for themselves as well. Let me jump over to Acts chapter 4, 32 to 35. Kind of another description in the book of Acts of of what the church looked like when they were meeting together in community. And it goes like this. All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own and they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and much grace Was upon them all. Isn't that a great phrase? It's like they met and brought their best, and God just kind of swamped them with His grace as they did. Verse 34 There were no needy persons among them. And from time to time, those who owned land or houses, can you imagine this, sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Note the emphasis here throughout these verses on everybody participating together. They were all together. Everyone was there. There was a sense that everybody was into this community at the same level. There was a spirit of oneness. They testified to the resurrection of Jesus and they wrestled with its implications on their life. And there was great financial generosity. Remember, for the majority of Christians in the early church, they were poor. They lived very, very simply and they lived with a constant set of material and financial needs in their life. And as God's grace came upon this early group of believers, their eyes were opened and they started to see people in a different way than they'd seen them before. And they said, "What um, I've got this excess in my life, I'm going to sell it so that these people can have their needs met. It's, it's a wonderful vision of what it means to be the church, not just in gatherings for worship, but throughout the week and just in, in our everyday lives. What it looks like to be in community, not just to attend church programs, but to have lives that are truly shaped by God as we spend time with each other. And so how did it happen? Well, I want to suggest to you that at verse 42 of chapter two, we see it in those first few words. There was definitely, there was something supernatural that God was doing in these people but it required us to bring something to it as well. In verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. Devotion. The secret to creating space for God to supernaturally act and move in the the life of our congregation is the choice for you and I to make it a priority, our devotion. To devote means to give your most, most of your time and energy to something means showing up even when you're tired, even though you've got other things that you need to do, to commit to being part of a community of people who are shaped into the person of Christ. In other words, showing up is not enough. Just kind of being there is not enough if we want to experience the kind of fellowship and depth that we see painted here in these passages. Now, when I read these passages about the early church, Um, I think about the excitement of a new life group or a new Bible study group that starts because there's a sense of newness and excitement about that as well. Uh, People agree to be a part of a life group or or a new study that's starting and everybody's kind of excited. Uh, Maybe you go out and you get a new moleskin notebook, Uh, you do some reading in advance on the topic or the book that you're going to discover, you show up early, you're keen, you're ready to go and those first few weeks are so exciting. There's a healing on week one. Uh, There's the multiplication of banana bread on week two. Uh, Maybe supernaturally, the prophet Elijah shows up on week three. I mean, things are wonderful, right? This has been your life group experience. But all groups then go through what I call a kind of a natural life cycle. There's the honeymoon phase, everything's exciting, everything's new, everybody's story. You've just heard it for the first time. And then after a while, groups settle into a routine. Maybe they plateau a little bit and some groups get stuck. People stop attending as frequently as they used to. And if the group doesn't address it, sometimes the group falls away or it completely falls apart. And sometimes the leader has to call everybody together and say, look, do we need another study? Do we need to meet on another day of the week? Or do we all just need to recommit or redevote ourselves to this time together? Are we devoted to this process of being in community and allowing God to shape my life and your life through it? Are we devoted to being a living example um, by leaving our culture's way of community behind and how we treat each other and adopting the rules of community found in the kingdom of God and putting them on display for all to see? That as we do, God might even use our group to help capture a vision in someone else's life for the very thing that they've been looking for too. That when they see how we treat each other, how we relate to each other, how we love each other and support each other and care for each other, that their eyes are open to say, I, I, I want to be there too. And as they do, they discover that this community is actually a representation of what it means to be in Christ. And our many are added to our numbers as well. If we're going to live that out, showing up, Just showing up is not enough. We need to be devoted together to this vision of being the church and being the church in this way to each other. Now, if you've been part of a group that has had some struggles or some difficult seasons, and if you've been part of a group, then probably your group has had some. And then you hear these stories of Acts 2 and Acts 4, and it sounds so great. It's easy to be discouraged. How come our group's not more like that? Well, you have to keep reading in the book of Acts. And if you keep reading through the book of Acts, chapters 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, you're going to discover that this, what seems so perfect community, they had all kinds of problems as well. In chapter 5, someone fakes generosity. They see someone else's generosity. They see maybe the attention it got them. So they then pretend to be generous as well. And it acts as a stain on the community. It's so heartbreaking for everybody to see somebody pretending. Then in chapter 6, you see a group of people that are left out of the care. That they're distributing, as they're distributing um, bread to people who are in need, they leave a certain group out. But this is not some kind of administrative mistake. It's actually a reflection that the old way of seeing people, the old racist way of seeing people, came back to the surface again. And they left people out on purpose. And it hurt the community. And as we think about being in community together, we're going to have to remember that we are imperfect and we're going to be in a community of people who are equally unperfect as well. I love Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, the great German theologian. He writes this in Talking About Community, warning us not to be overly romantic when we think about biblical community. He says, The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the person who loves those around them will create community. The person who loves those around them will create community. In the early church, chapter 5, chapter 6, dealing with envy, dealing with pretenders, dealing with old racial attitudes, they devoted themselves to loving each other. They sat down, they had a plan, they talked about it, they worked it out, and they kept going. And so today, if Rivercross Church is your home, we want to help you find community here. We want to help you find a place to connect and a place to belong. We don't want you just to sign up for something. That's important. That's an important first step. But we want you to be devoted to the people that you're going to be meeting with and to the process together of recognizing this is going to be one of the ways that God blesses your life and he blesses someone else's life through you. This is such an important part of the vision of our congregation, because it goes right to the heart of what it means to be a disciple or a Christ follower. You're helping me grow in my faith, and I'm helping you grow in your faith, and we're learning together, and we're growing together, we're loving, and we're supporting, we're challenging, we're forgiving each other. And last week, we shared a little bit about our our survey findings, and what it told us kind of how you're feeling about being connected around here, and you know, it was hard to hear that for half of you, you don't feel like you're connected well enough here at River Cross Church. And we took that seriously. And we're working on that even in in the midst of COVID-19 to figure out what that looks like. And so we're working to help you find places to connect. So let me just mention three things for you today that would be options for you right now. The first is this, to join a life group. What's a life group? How's it different than a Bible study? A life group is a group of 10 to 12 people who meet regularly, preferably weekly, and they kind of commit to doing so for a minimum of a year. And in a year, we would say that's probably about eight or nine months. Most groups take the summer off. A life group has three components. The first is community. It's a place to belong. You're going to be known and you're going to get to know other people. There's space created each week for you just to talk, share about your week, talk about some of the joys, some of the challenges that are going on in, in your life, and just an opportunity to kind of uh, grow together as friends in, in, the, in the church community. I think about it as a dad and the gift that it's been to me personally. You know, our group has watched and surrounded Jill and I as we've raised our four kids. We've been together for a long time. They've prayed for each of my kids by name so many times. And as a dad, I know that there's adults in this congregation who know my kids by name, who care about them and would be willing to do anything to help them. And this means the world to me. So first is community. The second is it's a place to learn and grow. Look, we're all trying to figure out what does it look like to be a person of faith What's it look like to be a person of faith with my background, with my challenges, with my family and my workplace? And who's going to help me figure that out? Well, this group, that's their job. They've been helping me figure that out for years. And it's so important that we have a place to ask questions, to wrestle, to doubt, to struggle, to be blessed, to be encouraged, to lead in this kind of community. And so in these communities, we're learning and growing together about what does it look like to have Jesus at the center of our life. And thirdly, we pray specifically for each person every week. And look, some weeks it kind of, oh, it's, it's late, we better go. Like we, we better pray before we go. It's one of those weeks. Other nights, someone gets sharing, and we just spend a lot of time praying for that person, and we might not even get to our study together. This is the purpose of a life group. It's to do life together, to be in community, to be praying and encouraging and supporting each other all along whatever life throws our way. If you would like to be part of a life group, we're going to be offering a life group orientation opportunity. It's a chance for you to come. It's a four-week event, and it's a chance for you to come and kind of get a sampling of what it's like to be in a life group. And this will help you know if a life group is for you. It's a big commitment, so we want you to go into it eyes wide open ready to see what it's going to look like for you to be devoted to a group of people over the run of a year. If you'd like to be a part of a life group, go to the church website and and click on register and you'll find the event information there. So that's the first thing. The second are group studies. And we offer a variety of different group studies throughout the year here at the church. And maybe it's a study of the book of the Bible. Maybe it's a study of a book by a Christian author dealing with a specific topic. It's usually about six to eight to ten weeks. It depends on the study. And because it's a little bit of a shorter time frame, it doesn't give you as much time to grow trust and, and to kind of go deep. But these groups always have an element of sharing and care as a part of them but they allow you to delve deeply into a specific topic that maybe you've got interest in that will allow you to kind of get some information and figure out how do I apply this to my life right now. Again, if you go to the registration page on our website, you're going to be able to look at the options that are available right now coming up, and I keep checking back because we're adding a few more of those uh, in the weeks to come. So life groups, group studies, and the third is this. Intentional friendships. And this would be something that you would take on on your own. Uh, You can be connected to your church community in all kinds of other ways, but I would encourage you to consider intentional friendships if life groups or a study isn't for you. It's just one of those ways where you make a decision to connect with a group of people on a regular basis. And yes, it'll be social. There'll be some getting together and some connecting and catching up but I would really hope that it's got a spiritual component as well. Maybe it's sharing prayer concerns. Maybe it's sharing kind of what you've been reading in the scriptures and some thoughts on it. But you would be intentional about it. And In fact, I would say this. If you hear about life groups and think, no, that's too much, and you hear about group studies and you say, no, I've done every group study, that you write down today who is it that I'm going to reach out to by the end of this day to connect to. It would be someone that I just know that is in my corner, that I can reach out to, that I can be praying for them, and they can be praying for me. So intentional friendship. So three things available to you right now that I would encourage you. Now, regardless of how you decide to get connected, signing up and showing up are a great start, but they're not enough. And I want to talk about now what it looks like to be devoted in those settings so that as you show up and as you uh, attend and as you participate, um, we can kind of start to move towards that vision that we see in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4. So let me just say four things really quickly. The first is this, be the kind of person you would want to have in your group be the kind of person you would want to have in your group. Jesus said it this way, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is great advice when building community. If you want to be a part of a group where people are committed to each other, then commit yourselves. If you want to be a part of a group where one person doesn't do all the talking and where people share, then be that person. Share in your group. If you want to be the kind of person who um, prays for each other and opens up and shares actual real prayer concerns, then be that kind of person in your group. Second, commit to being faithful. Attend faithfully. Simply making the choice to be there every week is a huge part of group life. It might be the hardest part, but, and it might be the most important part. Um, and I kind of would joke this way and say, you know, unless you're dismembered, trapped under a fallen wall, or, you know, have two of the COVID symptoms, a runny nose and a a cough, you know, choose to be a part of the group faithfully. If the group is six weeks, put it in your calendar to be there six weeks. If it's a life group, do whatever you can to move heaven and earth to make sure that you're there consistently. If the attitude is, I'll go when I have nothing else on, it's so discouraging for anybody that's leading your Bible study group and it will ultimately be the end of your life group. Commit to going faithfully. Let me speak to parents just quickly for a second. If you've got young kids, can I just encourage you to stay connected, help your kids stay connected as well to their peer group or to their leaders here at the church? If you've got kids in the River Kids program, can I encourage you to find a way each week that you're taking time to to watch the videos that Amy and her team or, or the content that's being prepared for you? We admit our Sunday morning broadcast and our River Kids and our Life Group videos do not have the resources of Disney and Netflix. But it doesn't matter. It's important that our kids know that their leaders care for them. That they're praying for them. And I can tell you they deeply, deeply miss seeing them on a weekly basis. It's important that your kids are relationally connected to their leaders here, so that when it is time for them to come back, that that relationship is healthy and that they're able to kind of re-enter life together because it'll be these adult leaders who will be pouring and shaping into the life and faith of your kids. Look, I know we're all concerned about the amount of time our kids spend on their screens, but can I encourage you to find a way to faithfully keep them connected for their own spiritual well-being as well. Third is this, ask yourself, What will I bring to this group? What am I going to bring to this group? If I sign up for a Bible study, what am I going to bring? If I show up, if I choose to be part of a life group, or if I'm already part of a life group, what are you bringing to that group? Sometimes people will call me and say I've stopped going, uh, and their usual line is, "I'm not getting anything out of it anymore." And certainly that can happen sometimes. But my question back to them is always, "Well, what are you bringing to that group?" What were you planning on bringing to that group? What was your investment into the lives of the people that you've been a part of? Imagine a potluck for a second. And I know we can't do potlucks right now, but just imagine, humor me. Imagine a potluck of 20 people and only one person brings a dish. And they bring one dish. That's gonna be the worst potluck you've ever been a part of and you're going to go home hungry. Now, imagine a potluck of 20 people and everybody brings three dishes. You've got 60 pots of delicious food on the table. You're going home full and you're probably going home with someone else's leftovers and you've got lunches for the rest of the week. In the same way in community, ask yourself, what will I bring to this group? What will I bring to be a blessing to someone, to encourage someone, to pray for someone? What will be my contribution? And lastly, this is a phrase I've been using time and time again in so many settings right now, be patient. Be patient. Could anybody have predicted that to lead a Bible study or a life group that would require some kind of health certification from the Department of Health or some undergrad degree in computer science to make all the technology work? If you're in a group that's experiencing glitches and bumps and frustrations, and I just ask you to be patient while we work it all out. We're all going through it. If the early church could overcome racism and pretenders, we can overcome the challenges of masks and food. So let's just all be patient together. We want to help you get connected, not because we want you to be busy with church programming. We want you to experience the life of Christ The blessing of Christ that he's designed for you to have, that he intended for you to find as you enter into and devote yourself to being in community with other people. Is it complicated at times? Yes. Is it worth it? Absolutely yes. Well, let's close her up. So it's about almost 5 o'clock on a Thursday as I'm recording this. Friday is my day off, which means this is like my Friday night. My weekend starts tomorrow. It's also our life group night. It's a, I'm part of an amazing group. We've been together for a lot of years, uh, truly great people. We meet in probably about two hours. So let me tell you what's going to happen in the next two hours. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to sit down on the couch, and my mind and my body will start to Relax. I'm going to start thinking about my day off tomorrow and what I'm going to do. I'm going to enter into a near coma sitting on the sofa. And then suddenly I'm going to realize it's time to go to life group. And my attitude is likely going to be this. I'm just going to show up. They should be glad that I even came tonight. Here's what I know. I'm not sure I can think of any other thing that God has used to grow my own faith over my years of being a Christian than being in community with other people. That as I look back from the day I became a Christian in my grade 12 year in high school to this point in my life and think about what have been the things that have been most influential in shaping the person that I am today, it's been people like you. It's been people that I've been in groups with, been in community with, been in men's Bible studies and groups throughout all those years that God has used to shape me to who I am today. That's what I would want for you, to have that same testimony, that you could look back over your life and see how God has just used so many people throughout those years to bless and grow your life. Would you commit today to finding a place to connect and belong, that you could be that person to someone else? Let me pray. God, we know that you have created us not to go through life by ourselves, but to do so with others. Lord, we know today that it's challenging. We know that there's extra barriers to doing that right now. But Lord, we also know that right now, more than ever, we're feeling disconnected. We're feeling maybe even a bit alone, that this has been a difficult season. Lord, today, would we commit to reaching out and finding a place to belong. That we would experience the blessing of being in community with other people. And Lord, you would use our lives to be a blessing to them as well. And we pray this hopefully in the name of Christ our Lord, amen.